We believe that when prayer happens, it affects what we're praying for. We believe that when we agree together that the heavens begin to take notice, God begins to make mention, and when that prayer happens, then it affects whatever we are asking him about. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the prayer effect, that when we pray, God answers. When we pray, God answers. Well, I prayed and he didn't answer. Well, just hang in there, okay, until the end of this series at the least and give us an opportunity to encourage you, inspire you, and motivate you to do this one thing, to develop a prayer life. Well, pastor, I already have one. Well, then develop a better one. Because when we talk about a prayer life, what we're really talking about is having a conversation with God. Conversations with God that become consistent. Conversations with God that have some passion and some fervency behind them. Conversations with God that are just personal. They're just relatable. They're just authentic conversations. Also in this series, one of our main objectives as a staff in this series was to really encourage for more people to come forward or to step out, to step out or to step up for that time of prayer that we have. And I, I want to again, I just want to echo again. We want you to message us, email us, text us, call us, catch us after service. We want to pray with you, okay? We just want more for the people that are ready to pray with you in that moment to have the opportunity because we don't believe that our staff are the only people that are equipped to do ministry in this church. We believe that every saint is appointed and anointed by God himself to be able to minister and do ministry, to pray and believe in the name of Jesus together and see God move. So we want to encourage people to do what Miss Lynette did and just step out, step out and share your need. And agree in the name of Jesus with somebody else that's on the outside looking in that may be able to stand in faith. We want to develop a prayer life. I want to encourage you to start today developing a prayer life. When I got here this morning, I had on a, a blue Under Armour shirt and it was buttoned up and I had my jacket on. And I completely forgot. That we had planned. You ever done that? You plan something and forget happened to me. If it doesn't happen to you, you probably will this week. Okay. So I had completely forgotten until I walked in and everybody was in their jerseys and their team colors that this was going to be like Team Sunday. And I realized I'm wearing a blue shirt. And I can't be wearing a blue shirt today. Because today is the day that the Eagles are playing in the Super Bowl. Okay, and, and I don't really even like the Eagles. I'm, I'm fond of Philadelphia. We've got this whole nation started thing there. So that's important, right? And the only thing that Boston's really known for is a rebellion called the Tea Party. But I want you to begin, to begin praying today for our dear brother in the Assemblies of God known as Carson Wentz. Because he is going up against a demonic force this afternoon, this evening. Known as Bill... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, sort of. But seriously... Pray for Carson, our brother in the assemblies of God. Pray for him. And you can develop even a fun relationship over things that are important to you. Just don't hold God accountable. The reason I like to use that example is I see like 
Well, God didn't. Man, I, I prayed that God would help me perform the best of my ability and help us win the game. And we didn't win the game, so God didn't listen. Well, maybe somebody else prayed harder than you. I mean, I'm sure the other team didn't show up thinking, God, help us get our tail kicked today. I pray that that guy right there, I just sense it. He's praying more fervently than me. I want you to bless that guy today. No, no, that's, that's not how this thing goes, okay? God wants to be relatable, and God wants to be personal. But more than anything, God wants to make himself known in your situation. And sometimes the things that he has to do to get your attention is not answer the prayer the way that you wanted him to. Come on, somebody. This is the relationship month. It's, it's key, quote, you know, whatever. My wife's getting a dog for Valentine's Day. She's already decided it's happening. So that's what we're doing, okay? Uh, this is the relationship month. I want her to know that she's loved. So when she spends 16 hours and two days on her cell phone shopping for dogs, I thought, man, what a great Valentine's Day present. I'll just take that initiative and we'll do that. But even more importantly than the the relationship between individuals is this month we really want to focus on the one relationship that will determine the success of all our other relationships. The one relationship that will feed or starve every other relationship that we have. And that is, even in the cliche, our relationship to God, our relationship to Christ. Now, if that's important, then we need to know how do we have that relationship. The number one way to build a relationship is through communication. The number one way to have communication is to have a conversation. And so often we mess that up because we come to God not with our conversation, but with our petition. (laughs) And we spend that whole time talking. We don't spend any time listening. We spend that whole time praying for our need or our want or our desire, which is good, okay? But uh, how many of y'all just wave at me? You got kids, right? Or you know somebody with kids or like grandkids or you're an aunt or uncle or you have to deal with kids at some point, okay? All right. Um, That's annoying. I don't know if you've caught that or not. But when a kid says, hey, I need, hey, I need, hey, I need, I need you to stop. Because I'm losing my mind right now is what I need. That's what happens to me. Like, I don't do that. I, don't, I mean, I don't scream at my kids like, yeah, sometimes. Okay, but, but I, I know that that's not good parenting. Like, we're not going to do a parenting small group and teach just scream at the top of your lungs so your kid will shut up. Okay, we're not going to teach that. But, man, could you imagine if that's all God ever hears from us? And then on the other end of the spectrum... Not praying to God at all is saying, you know what, God, I've got this. I'll let you know if I need anything. God, I, 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 can, I can handle this. I'll let you know if, 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 I need to, if I need to include you in this. No, no, no. We want to include God in everything. Prayer is so essential. It's where the child of God begins, and it's where the child of God continues. It's where the child of God is brought to fruition. When we pray, we ask for salvation, and that's where our relationship starts. When we pray, we ask to receive the Holy Spirit or be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we're empowered to be a witness. When we pray, we can grow in our relationship with God. When we pray, we can discover His specific purpose for why we're alive. And if we don't do that, 
then we don't get any of those things. If you don't pray, you cannot be saved. If you don't pray, you will not be filled with the Spirit. If you don't pray, you will not grow with God. And if you don't pray, you will not discover why He created you. But when you do, you will. He is faithful and just. He will answer when we pray. Luke chapter 18. It's where we're going to settle today. We're going to start with verse 1 because that's where chapters start. Come on, somebody. Y'all okay today? Okay, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. That they should always pray, and then one version says, and do not lose heart. Always pray and never give up. Now, I really like the never give up piece because do not lose heart is really a reference to how I feel or how I sense. But I like the continuation of this phrase in the original form a little bit better as it says never give up because always pray and never give up praying. Always pray and never stop praying because that is what's going to affect your heart that is what's going to affect your feeling in the midst of your terrible situation when you pray and you understand God's perspective in that moment then that will cause you to never give up praying and never give up striving forward do not stop now first Thessalonians five seventeen. I'm interjecting this here just because it's a divine echo for us, and this is going to be our series scripture. Verse 17, it's very simple. It says in the New Living Translation, never stop praying. I love that. Pray without ceasing. Never stop, never cease to pray, no matter what you do. But in everything, give thanks for, whoa, hey. This is important. This is the will of God. See, so often we ask God, what's your will for me? What's your plan for me? What's your purpose for me? This. This is God's will for us. If you don't have a prayer life, let me say this carefully, to encourage you to develop one and convict you if you're not. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not in God's will. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. In everything, not just giving him a list of wants and needs, but giving thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to Luke 18. In this context that Paul understood, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Verse 2, there was a judge... In a certain city. And he said. He said. Jesus said this. Who neither feared God. Nor cared about people. Now listen. This man has no wisdom. Because the scripture says that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so if you don't fear God. Then you have no wisdom. And this. The scripture says. Jesus said about this man. He neither feared God. Nor cared about people. 
So he didn't love God and he didn't love people. He's breaking the first and the two greatest commandments in his heart. This is who Jesus decides to use as an example. I mean, that him? Couldn't you pick somebody else? But Jesus wants to ex- exaggerate this to show its importance. He didn't fear God. He didn't care about people. But a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Why is it always a widow? You ever notice that? A widow gave her last two mites. A widow came praying. Because it's only in the midst of loss and loneliness that you truly understand that God is all you have. And when He's all you have, He becomes all that you need. And Jesus can use that as a biblical example for millenniums to come. So a widow came repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. It's like, this is important for us to know. Even this guy knew he didn't care. But this woman is driving me crazy. Can I get a witness? I'm sorry. I'm my bad. I knew I was going to do that. I told myself not to. But you get three of them in the same living room. Help us, Lord. Megan said, what kind of dog do you want? You want a boy or a girl? A boy. Crazy. Ain't had no females to this house. The unrighteous judge. Hi, I'm Chris. The woman is driving me crazy. If you feel that way, you're an unjust unjust, uh, judge that doesn't fear God or care about people. I'm going to see. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, I love this story. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Don't be like that, but learn a lesson. Even he, in his lack of wisdom or concern for anyone but himself, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So the next time that you think God's not listening, or the next time that you think God is not just, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you from the son's mouth, I tell you he will grant justice to them when? Quickly. He will grant justice to them quickly. They can know and believe that what they came to him about is being settled in the heavenlies. He will bring justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? How many will he find on the earth who have faith? And I was just tagged to that. Verses, how many will he find on the earth? who are just frustrated and maybe even unfaithful. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number one, God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear from us. 
you can't help but think of in conversations and the understanding of uh, being the bride of Christ or, or a child of God, which is, is all reflected in the scriptures, of, of what I've kind of referenced earlier with our children, or maybe even like a spouse's communication to another spouse. Okay, and I've made a big joke, so we'll just keep rolling with it. But, but if the only time that my wife heard from me is when I was doing something else or I had an agenda of my own and I just said, you know, I don't know, for instance, hey, babe, make me a sandwich. Okay, how many kids? We, okay, that's going to go over like an onion and fruit salad in my house. Okay, that's not going to go over well at all. But, but listen, if we've been communicating and, and we've been growing in our relationship and I say, hey, babe, I've got this, this, this. And would you please, would you please make me a sandwich real quick? I swing by and grab it and so I got to get over this way. What's she going to do? And what's the difference? The heart behind the request. The attitude in which it was brought forth. Above all else. One of them was based on authenticity and relationship. And the other one was based on a selfish desire. So when we come to God through authenticity and relationship, we honor Him. He wants to hear from us. He wants to live life with us. He wants to wake up with you and you recognize His presence. He wants to go to sleep with you and you honor the fact that He's in the room and unless the Lord guard the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He wants you to know that He cares. Just like I as a father would want my children to know. But how many of you know, as we've already attested, when you start hearing, Mama, 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 I want, I want, I want, Anita, Anita, Anita. Who is Anita? She don't even live here. <laughs> daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And my son was doing that to me one day. Daddy. And, the, and, and, and Adeline was, Daddy. Megan was at something. And man, you put me with, in the house with three kids. It was just something. I thank God that he saw in my need, he sent me my bride. But daddy, 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 Adeline, Emery, everybody's hollering daddy. And, and, I'm fine. and then Gabriel gets in on it. You know, I thought he just maybe felt left out. So he's like, daddy, daddy. And I, what, what, son, what? For the love of all things good in the heavens, what do you want? I love you. <laughs> love you too, man. I'm sorry, though, for yelling and stuff on the inside. <laughs> God just wants to have relationship with you. That is, I, I don't care what anybody else says. If they tell you something different, that you have to have a work, a specific work, uh, a, a, a specific formula, a specific person that you pray to, you don't need anything but Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you can begin to discover the relationship that you were created for. 
And you can pray directly to him. You can talk directly to him. And you can talk to him like he is your friend. How do I know that? Because John 15 verse 15 said, I don't call you slaves or servants any longer. I have told you the father's business. You know what I know and I call you friend. We have communicated. I've communicated on your behalf. There's no secrets in this relationship. And because of that, we are friends. But silence settles stagnation. If you want stagnation to grow, stay silent. If you want dormancy in your relationship, just don't talk. Well, there's something wrong with my husband. He won't talk to me. Well, talk to him. To him, not at him. Come on, somebody, help me. Silence will stagnate relationships. Silence settles that stagnation. But God wants to hear from us. Not just when we need something. But all day, every day. God wants to hear from us in our daily lives. You know what I've started doing? And it was really just in the last couple of years. Just to make it more personal. I heard a guy doing this and I thought, that's kind of weird. I've never heard anybody pray like that. But I opened my prayer and you may hear me doing this. I may not always do it, but I really I do it pretty consistently. When I open my prayer, I don't say, Dear Lord. I don't say, Dear Heavenly Father. I don't say, uh, Elohim or Bethel. I don't say any of those names of God. Dear gracious, almighty, judge of all the earth omnipotent, omniscient. No, no, no. I just say, Jesus, and then I pray. Jesus, I lift this person up to you right now. Jesus, I need you to intervene right now because I got the spirit of slap all over me. Jesus, we got people testifying. Jesus, I really don't know how to handle this. Jesus, this situation is bigger than me. I was telling a friend, when I was talking to a friend about this, and he's like, he's like man, I know. I, it, is, it is like talking to Jesus like he's my friend has created an incredible consistency in my prayer life. I mean, I'll leave like the job site that, that I was, I, I, I got to figure some things out, and I'll get in my truck, and I'll be driving down the road. I'll be like, hey, bro. <laughs> I am really mad. He didn't say that. But he said a word that means really mad. And, and if you don't help, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, look, I don't necessarily recommend talking to Jesus that way. There is like some reverent fear that needs to be involved in your conversation. Because if you holler, hey, bro, at Jesus, he may show up and say, what would you say? How's the And you will start calling him every name that you didn't even know was inside of you. But... God desires to hear from you. He just wants to have a conversation. He wants to be involved in your day. I'll never forget the, the, of the many times, but there was this one specific time that I like. I, man, I don't know. You, some of you guys that have played sports in the past, you kind of here, relate here. Man, it's like I just forgot how to hit the thing. You know, like it's a white one. And then I got the thing, and I'm supposed to swing at it, and it just I'm just supposed to hit it. 
And it's like, it just, it just left me. And, and I was supposed to be getting paid for it at the time. And when you're getting paid for something that you're not doing, it's not going to be too much longer before you got stop getting paid for it. You understand? Like, that's just good business. And so I go in, and I, I get, I set my bat down. I probably threw it. Let's be honest. I went down the tunnel, and I hid underneath the stairwell. I just hid underneath the stairwell behind like a bunch of sand and, and stuff for the turf. And I sat down and I said, God, come on, man. Just like that. What is going on? I'm embarrassing myself. And you gave me this opportunity. Like, I, you know, I put it back on him. Like, you gave me this opportunity, Lord. <laughs> and I just sat there and, I, and I, I begged God, Lord, please let me make the most of this opportunity. And he spoke to me in that moment. I remember this piece. He said, do, do you not know that the way you act when what you want is not happening is more important than how much glory you give me when everything's going well? And in that moment, I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But for real, come on, please help me. That moment for me, it, it, it switched. It switched. I went back out and I was able to refocus and stop putting all the pressure on myself and just remember that God gets glory through me whether I'm successful or not. That I'm going to give Him praise no matter my circumstance and no matter the outcome. And God will see me through. He wants to hear from me. I bet God would have made me strike out 17 more times if I wouldn't have stopped and came and visited Him. But in that moment, I started spending more time with him. And I'm not going to say that I just blew it through the roof and everything took off for me. And then, I, I mean, I no, like I'm here. I got released, okay? It didn't work out. But, but I learned how to honor God and I learned how to grow closer to God in that moment because of the trial that I was going through. And really, God just wanted to hear from me more often. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, you can just write it down. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He, he wants to hear from you. He's looking for people who would be committed to him. Psalm 34, 15, it says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. And then I just tag this. What if our prayer is an indicator of our faith. What if our prayer is an indicator of our faith? Well, actually, if you go back and you look at Luke 18, verse 8, Jesus said that it, it will be. And just hold that image just for a second. But in Luke 18, verse 8, when he's talking about prayer and praying consistently in that passage. And we're to be like the persistent widow that comes to the Lord with our request. That comes before God with our daily lives in consistency and not complacency. He says at the end of that passage. But when the Son of Man comes, how many will he find that still has faith on the earth? And I began to think about that. That, that faith is the tank. It's like the gauge. That's what faith is. We've got this faith gauge in our lives. And we can look and know how much is in that faith gauge by how much we're praying. Because the needle on that gauge is our prayer life. It's our prayer. If the, if the tank is faith or if the gauge is faith, then prayer is the indicator of where our faith is. 
And you can almost see that in every relationship. If you're not praying very much, if you don't have a prayer life, if you're not spending time with God, having conversations with God, every time, I have never had somebody come up to me in a decade of ministry and doubt God that they were, and doubt a God that they were spending every day with. But when they come up to me and they say, man, pastor, my doubt, I, I just, I have doubt in God. I was like, well, how often do you pray? It, it offends them. Like, that's the simplicity of the answer? You don't think I'm praying? Well, I know you're not praying because you wouldn't be doubting God if you were spending time with him. How much time do you read his word? How much time do you spend in his presence? Because when you know God, then you will know the attributes of God and your faith will be enhanced because of the attributes of him and not yourself. But you can't know somebody that you never spend any time with. And so the pen in that gauge is a representation of how much time we spend with God. How consistent we are in our prayer. How often we come to Him, not just with our need, but with our praise. With our thanksgiving. With our cares. With our concerns. When's the last time you sought the Lord on your knees for somebody else? It's an indicator of your faith. It's an indicator of where you are in Him. When you become broken before God and you understand that He truly is the only answer for the world today, your prayer life will increase. And when your prayer life increases, your faith will increase. Number two, if you're taking notes, this is where we'll close today. I give hope. When we pray, He hears and answers. When we pray, He hears and He answers, okay? Now listen, I, I love this, and, and I don't have a specific scripture for this. I mean, I know the promises of God are yes and amen. I do know that, okay? But I heard this one time. I've never forgotten it. And I love this, and I've tried to remember it. So if, if you've struggled with whether God really operates this way in this phrase, then you need to tag this next phrase to it and never forget it. God has never said no to a prayer. He's never said no to a prayer. And I can even see this, and I'll just really personal. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. It's not what this is about. But I can even see this in my father's passing from this life into the next. Okay? God did not say no to my prayer. And I didn't understand at the time because I was believing for the supernatural. I was believing for the miraculous, the sign and the wonder, okay? But God has never said no. His answers are yes, like he'll do it. Not yet, which how many, if you've been living for God for more than two months, you have already experienced the not yet. <laughs> God, when? Hello? <laughs> His answers are yeah, hey, boom, done. Not yet, or I've got something better. Because I was praying for my, my daddy's temporal healing. And God wanted to heal him eternally. God knew that he was going to take him into the next life when he was in a good spot with Jesus. So that he didn't go back into the old stuff that he probably would have gone into once he got comfortable again. And my God didn't just heal my daddy temporarily here on earth. He healed him eternally. And then my brother was able to pursue God in a way that he may or may not have pursued him had my dad still been alive. 
But because he wasn't alive, my brother wasn't able to lean on my daddy. He had to lean on his heavenly daddy who is father to the fatherless. And today he's a youth pastor in Shreveport serving God full time and looking for whatever it is that God has in store for him. And I believe that it wouldn't have happened if God wouldn't have had something better. How many of y'all prayed that stupid prayer when you were a teenager? Teenager, look, just plug your ears for a second because we're just going to talk about you. God, please let him come back. Let him call me. Let him answer. Lord, please let her understand and know. I, I, I love her and I want to be with her for the rest of my life. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Y'all, for real, man, I, I mean, I prayed that prayer over some, just woo, okay? And I know somebody else is thanking Jesus that they didn't answer that prayer for about me. Like, I get that at that time. But man, I am so thankful that God ignored me in that moment and that I ended up with who I ended up with because only God's plan is the perfect way. And I don't just want everything that I think I need. Okay, I want what he has for me that's set aside. And so when I pray, I believe God to answer the prayer. When I put oil on my hands, I'm surprised when God doesn't do it. But instead of losing faith, I begin to look for reason. Because I know in the heart of hearts inside of me that his answer to prayer is yes and amen. I know that he has never said no to one of his saints. But he has said, yes, I will do this thing. Or wait, I've got something better. Not yet, but it's on its way. Just let it continue conceive and stir inside of you because it's going to give birth to more than you even know how to pray for when we pray God answers he hears us and he answers let me give you a lot of scripture really quick we're gonna close this thing out psalm 6 9 psalm 6 9 just write it down don't try to write the rest out the lord has heard my plea the lord will answer my prayer the promises of god are yes and amen the lord has heard my plea the Lord will answer my prayer. Psalm 18, verse 6. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord, even if it was over not being able to hit a stupid white piece of leather. <laughs> okay? Because the biggest and the smallest is all important to God. He created all things. There's not one that's more difficult or more important than the other. It blows my mind when I remember that cancer is no more difficult for God to heal than the cold. It blows my mind when I remind myself that it is no more difficult for God to revive a heart than it is for Him to heal a sprained ankle. Because He's God. And His answers are yes and amen. In this life or in the next well, that's a cop-out. No, it's not. It's why I believe in Jesus, the greatest miracle of all, that I don't have to spend eternity separated from Him. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, yes, <laughs> I prayed to my God for help. Yes, I got out of my seat in front of everybody and walked over to somebody that I didn't know and told them what was going on. Yes, I stood up and came forward. Yes, I actually cared enough to ask God about it. Listen, if it's worth worrying over, it's worth praying over. But if it's not, if it's not important and enough to you to pray about, then why would God concern Himself with it? 
I cried out to the Lord. Psalm 3 verse 4. I cried out to the Lord. And He answered me. From where? His holy mountain. Come on somebody. I don't know if you've ever read in the book of Exodus what happened when Moses went up on the holy mountain. I don't know if you remember the description of Jesus taking John, James, and Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration. But this is where the Holy of Holies is. The temple not built by the hands of men. Man, I, whoo, The Holy Mountain, that's where my answer comes from. I got to remind myself of that. Like, I'm not looking for the answer to my finances at Brownies. Come on, y'all know that story. Still ain't found out who that was. If you find out who it is, invite them to church. Just saying. But that's not where my answer is. There are things that God wants to do. There are things that I'm dreaming and thinking and, and asking and praying the Lord about. And I'm going, they, I can't do that. He said, I don't need you to. Your answer doesn't lie within yourself. Your answer is in me. And it comes from the holy mountain. It comes from a place that you can barely even conceive in your own mentality. Psalm 34 verse 4, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Well, this sounds simple. He freed me from all my fears. Because I prayed. Because I learned how to have conversations with God. And I began to understand how much He cares. Just to support this doctrine, jump with me to the New Testament. John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, You can ask for anything. In my name. And I will do it. So that I can put you on a platform. And let everybody celebrate you. No. So that the son. Can bring glory. To the father. Verse 14. Yes. I say it again. Ask me for anything. In my name. And I will do it. Come what may, the answer of that prayer. I hope that we've communicated the message today that when we pray, God answers. Okay, now normally right here, I would want to end on this like climactic, celebratory, inspirational note. But that's just not what God let me do today. I really sense that there was supposed to be a carryover from the direction that we've been in. And if you kind of tuned out, now would be a great time to tune back in. Because I want to say this, and I want you to be very careful how you receive it. I want you to open up your heart and lay down your pride for a moment. And I want you to let this reverent fear of who God really is come into this room. And I truly believe this, or I would not say it. But when we do not repent of our sin, He does not listen. When you are voluntarily living in sin, when you are tolerating a sin in your life and you're choosing to live there, God turns a deaf ear to every prayer 
but one. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart. Now David wrote this. Remember David, the anointed king? David, the one that slew the giant? David, the one that conquered ten thousands? David, the man after God's own heart. He had this thing that he entered into. Immorality. Sex outside of marriage. And he said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart. Well, pastor, I hadn't done this. Okay, David lied. Ever done that? Pastor, I've never. Oh, no, I haven't lied recently. I really haven't. Okay, David envied the success of another man. I got you. Like, that's it. Like, well, you've done one of those three things. And David said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Another scripture says, he who hides sin in his heart shall not prosper. In other words, secrecy settles stagnation. And if you keep your secret, then you will die there. Today, I really think that I'm speaking and I, I, all across the room, and I'm not trying to draw something out that's not there, but I really think I'm speaking to a couple of specific things. And God wants to deal with these things. That's why this just got so real. I really think, even with some children in the room, and, and guys just cover me, but I really think that there's some immorality that needs to be confessed and dealt with. Because the only place that intimacy is holy is within covenant. One another and with God. And so if that exists in you or in your family, that needs to be dealt with. Because if I had not confessed, then the Lord would not have heard my prayer. He would not have listened. And now I know we live in South Louisiana and there's some acceptable things that take place in South Louisiana. And I don't want to get into the where drunkardness comes into place or how many drinks I can have socially before blah, blah, blah. But the scripture is clear that drunkenness is not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And today, that's a sin that if you're staying in it, you don't have to wonder why it seems like your prayer is not going any higher than the ceiling. You got to deal with that. You got to confess it. The other ones were lust, idolatry, excessive partying, and then outbursts of anger. All of those things God wants to deal with this morning. Now, watch this. In John chapter 9, here's the, the tough part is in the first half. Verse 31 says, we know God doesn't listen to sinners. Well, I thought we all have sinned and fall short of His glory. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about voluntarily tolerating and remaining in a sin that you know God wants to deliver you from. That's what we're talking about. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but listen, here's the good news. Good news. 
He is ready to hear those who worship Him and do His will. He is ready to hear. Now, I said God turns a deaf ear to every prayer but one. And that prayer is a prayer of salvation. That prayer is a prayer of forgiveness. That prayer is a prayer of confession and repentance. When we are voluntarily tolerating and living in sin, God turns a deaf ear because He's only waiting to hear that one prayer that matters the most. The prayer that can set you free from your sin. The prayer that can release you from the bondage of that guilt and that shame. That prayer that can take your depression and your despair and replace it with joy and peace in His presence. That is the prayer that God has for you today. And He is ready to hear if you will confess. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus, right now in this room, I pray. That even if I didn't mention the area that we're struggling in or that we're willfully sinning in, Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to identify it and deal with it. It could be as simple as envy or as dangerous as immorality. Whatever it is, Lord, that we are tolerating and willfully living in that's not you, I pray right now that we would just begin to confess it to you. With no eyes up, nobody looking around, I'm not even looking. I'm going to wait. If that word was for you this morning, the way that we've closed the service specifically today, and you have something that you know you need to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness of, in any of those areas specifically or any other area that you don't want to take out of here, I just want you to lift up your hand like you're giving it over to Jesus. And if that's you with nobody looking around, I want you to ask Him for forgiveness right where you are. I want you to ask Him to take it. To save you and to set you free. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Even if you didn't raise your hand this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, help me to develop a prayer life. Forgive me of my sin. Save me. Set me free. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. From this day forward, you died for me, but you rose again. And because of that, I can live for you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand with me this morning?
Can we give Jesus a praise over the heaviness today? We believe that if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can begin a journey to salvation with that one simple prayer. And now, listen, catch this, you are released to develop a prayer life. You are released to begin to learn his word. You are released right now today to begin to do ministry and to help more people discover their purpose in him. I'm not satisfied. I'm not settled. God wants to do more. And he wants to use you to do it. So don't just be free in the sanctuary. Don't just pray in church. Take this home. Pray out loud with your family, with your friends, over yourself. Confess all the time. Never stop praying, but give thanks to God always in Jesus' name. That's his prayer for you and for us. If you prayed that prayer this morning, or you do have a prayer request that you want to let us know about, I'm about to pray a prayer of blessing because it is 1031. I am one stinking minute late again. And so I'm going to pray over you. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, or you want to be water baptized, please fill out a connect card, write your name on it, and let us know the decision that you made today so that not only we can pray with you and pray for you, but that we can connect with you and, and help disciple you and get plugged into a small group or get plugged into next steps because if you don't grow from here, then you will begin to grow stagnant again. And what God just set you free of, you will return back to and be worse than you ever were before. That's not God's will for you. His will for you is to set you free and keep you free. Come on, somebody. you got to get plugged into the body and learn what you were created for. Come on, open your hands like I'm handing you a present this morning, Jesus. I pray that you would bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon your people today. Give us your peace. Holy Spirit, would you come over us and come into us and help us to receive your fullness and accomplish your will for our lives be a witness to everybody you put in our path and live out this salvation thing as we develop a prayer life in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Meet somebody that you don't know before.